Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for the very final pre-season Supercoach team preview episode. Only team left is the South Sydney Rabbitohs, so that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, it is going to be a solo one, which is me going through the Rabbitohs ins and outs, 24 hours away from the TLT podcast, so cutting it pretty fine, but wanted to get in and talk about the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Supercoach options for them. Uh, apologies, it's been a little bit later in finishing the Supercoach team previews and what it normally would be. As I mentioned last week, a uh, bit of a COVID bout, which took me out for about a week. So just meant things were a little bit behind. Also meant that I couldn't tee up a time with my South Sydney Rabbitohs expert fan that I was going to get on to chat about it. But nonetheless, we progress and we'll finish off the episodes tonight. The rest of the week looks like this. TLT hits Wednesday on our podcast programming. And me and Billy will be going through TLT in detail, also doing a bit of a team reveal too, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, end of the week, dropping on Friday, we'll have the Talk and Footy episode, where we'll be talking about all the big things in rugby league the past week. So without further ado, let's talk about the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, having a look at their roster and the changes, first of all, 2021, obviously they had a decent season, um, finishing third. Pretty good year. They're only two points behind Penrith in the Storm. Uh, at home, they were 10-2. and two. Away, they were 10-2. and two. Not a massive advantage. Uh, the differential, pretty strong. Uh, they were the third best differential team. But when you're having a look at things for Supercoach, one of the great things with the South Sydney side is, aside from the Storm, they were actually the best attacking team in the comp. And it meant that they had a lot of Supercoach-relevant players for 2021. Uh, points against, they actually didn't defend that fantastically. Uh, at times, especially, they went on some runs of giving up a lot of points. But for Supercoach purposes, you're just worried about the attack, and that was great. They obviously had a lot of big guns as well that were firing. Pretty good year. Looking ahead for 2022, Adam Reynolds is gone. We're going to talk about the ins and outs now, but certainly I don't think that their attack is going to be quite as good as what it was. So that's something to maybe keep in mind. It also is something where they're going to be a little bit disjointed, and I think probably trying to get new combinations going uh, and also figure things out for the first month of footy plus. So probably not going to be as slick a start as what we're used to seeing the last few years with the Rabbitohs with so many changes. And I think that's important to take into account for super coach purposes. When we're having a look at their draw, it's interesting. They start off with a great game against the Broncos. That's obviously going to be missing Luttrell. Uh, but then they hit the worst starting draw in the first month of any team that you can see. Melbourne Storm round two, Sydney Roosters round three, Penrith Panthers round four, which coincidentally, now that we've got these Cleary news in the last 24 hours that he's going to be out the opening rounds, probably going to be even when Cleary returns for the Panthers. So the first month is just absolutely dire for the South Sydney Rabbitohs super coach options because Melbourne Roosters and Penrith, you're not going to get a worse draw than that to start with in the first month of footy. After that opens up quite a bit. They don't play the round 13 by, but they do go from round 5 onwards. Dragons, Bulldogs, Tigers. Harder game against Manly. Then Broncos, Warriors, Raiders, Tigers again. And then they hit a bye. Uh, even coming out of the bye, it's actually quite strong. Because then they go to the Titans, the Dragons, 
the Eels, the Knights, the Bulldogs before they hit some harder games again. So definitely the first month of the season is really tough for the Rabbits and then it completely opens up. So for me personally, I'm going to be targeting Rabbits after we get to when we get to round five for that Dragons match. We'll probably get a couple of price drops with some of the big players after the first month or so of footy. And we'll also be hitting a purple patch where they should be able to put on points. And it kind of works out well because they should have started to click a little bit better with their combinations by the time that really nice draw starts to hit from round five onwards. So what it means is they've got a lot of good super coach options, but for round one, it's probably not the best time to be putting them in. Uh, so I'm going to be targeting them a bit later, but we are going to talk about a lot of the options right now. Quick rundown of those ins and outs, though, before we do get to that. So obviously I already mentioned that they lost... Adam Reynolds, that's going to be a huge loss as well. Uh, one of the other big losses that well, isn't spoken about it, probably enough is Dane Gagai. Gagai had a career year last year, played phenomenal for the Rabbitohs, and it was instrumental in uh, their attack down that side. But he's gone now, so that's going to be pretty different for them. They're obviously going to miss Adam Reynolds' kicking game and leadership and direction from halfback. But Gagai was on one of the most lethal edges in the competition and he's now gone as well so that's a pretty big deal too um, other than that really Jaden Sewer is a loss but not a huge one I think they can cover for him Benji Marshall is going to be a bit of a leadership loss with the gains though I think that this is a big thing like they haven't actually gained much at all Michael Cheekham I actually quite like him he's a pretty solid role player signing for the bench and good cover uh, Saliva Havili he's been pretty good for the Raiders, coming off the bench and playing in the middle as well as covering at hooker. Uh, so it's, it's not bad. It's kind of a fit for them. Uh, but you know, uh, overall, there's no real way to sugarcoat it. The player movements show that they are fairly significantly worse than what they were before, I think. They're going to really be relying on some of these younger guys to come through. Whether that can happen early on in the season or they're going to struggle a bit remains to be seen. So having a look at the actual super coach options uh, and players that you can consider for round one. So the first gun to talk about really with the South Sydney Rabbitohs needs no introduction. That's Cody Walker. Cody Walker had an unbelievable season. 84 points a game, which was easily his career best. That's coming off of 2020 where he went 74 points a game, which was easily his career best as, as well. So when you're looking at his five-year trajectory at the moment, he's gone 60, 61, 65, 74, 84. Uh, but it isn't just the 84 average that I think that I was most impressed with. I think it's it's how he did it. He had five tons in the season, although it does need to be said that they all came in the second half. But those tons, he had some really big ones. 151 points, 130 points, 121 points, and then 110 and 107. So he is a guy that can go that 150 plus, and he can put up some massive, massive scores. So that's really pleasing when you have a look at his season. But the number one thing I liked about Cody Walker last year is out of his 22 games that he played, he only actually had two of 22 that were below 50. And one of those was a 49. So he could almost say he only had one game that wasn't a 50 pluser. Uh, but 50% of the time, so 11 out of 22 games, he actually scored 80-plus. That is phenomenal, especially for a guy that does have the type of tag of having a low floor, which he has had in the past. Uh, he hit 60-plus more than what he ever has before. 77% of the time, he was a 60-plus score. He's completely shed that tag by now. You should not look at Cody Walker as not being consistent or a guy with a low floor. His floor is really good. 
he's basically shown a 50 floor despite the fact that his base base attack isn't even at 30 uh, just because he's such an amazing attacking player. Now, there's probably two ways for us to have a look at it for Cody Walker at the moment. He's 735000 so he is exceptionally expensive, okay? But in saying that, when you have a look at his tries, he scored 12 for the year out of 22 games. That's not too many. He can replicate that really easily. The thing that I think is going to tell the story of how he's going to go this season is his try assist and line break assist because they were massive last year. Like, it was unbelievable how many try assists and line break assists he was getting. 37 try assists in his super coach points for last season, 54 line break assists. So if you're getting 37 and 50-plus LBAs, it's, it's a massive, massive part of your scoring. Now, ordinarily, you would think coming into this year, those aren't going to be replicated. You know, they're not going to get, especially with potential changes in how many points are being scored and stuff, especially with the wet weather that we're going to experience in Sydney for the first month of the season at least. You probably expect those numbers to go down. But having said that, we've got Adam Reynolds gone. So we've got this other narrative in where if Reynolds is gone and we've got a rookie half in Elias there, they're probably going to be relying heavily on the rest of that spine that's going to be more experienced. So do they get more responsibility? Um, And Cody Walker is someone who I think, especially last year, stepped up a lot and took extra responsibility. So maybe he couldn't replicate it normally, but with Reynolds gone it might offset the fact that uh, he was having a massive career try assist and line breaks this season, and because he's going to be hand on the ball a lot more with more usage, maybe he can replicate that. So I'm really not sure. Um, They're pretty big numbers to replicate. Um, If I were to guess, I think that he's probably going to average 80, uh, but maybe not 84. Problem is for him, when we're compartmentalizing the season, the first month of footy, I really don't see him... um, Scoring phenomenal. Now, having said that, if you really like him, you can look at last year and say, you know, against the Storm round one last year, he scored 82 points. Round three, he hit the Roosters, he scored 95. Their draw last year, the South Sydney Rabbits, was very, very similar to what it is this year. They started off with Melbourne, Manly, and, and the Roosters. And, they, and he went 82, 57, and 95, including scoring a double against the Chooks. So... Yeah, you could say maybe he's matchup proof because how he's been playing, it sort of shows that he might be. Um, he's been exceptionally, exceptionally good last year, and he started off with a bad draw, and it really didn't make a difference. So, I think that Cody Walker probably had the type of season where there isn't really any way that I could talk anyone out of having him to start because if you weather that storm for the first month of footy, and he does what he did the first month last year against tougher opposition. It then opens up so dramatically that he could just go on a massive run. So particularly with uh, guys out at the moment, so Munster is a comparable 5'8 out the first game at least, and Cleary out for the first month of footy, all of a sudden you're going to be looking at spending. Um, and 5'8 is a real troublesome position, right? Like I've mentioned on the podcast a couple of times, I was looking at Sean Johnson as an option if he was kicking. It looks like he's probably not going to be kicking. Uh, Luke Keary was another cut price option. It's hard to put him in for me, especially with the injury worries at the moment, with him not 100% still when he's going to be playing round one. Uh, and then it's it just there's such a big drop-off in who you're going to go for. You know, Do you really want to believe in someone like a Dylan Brown, who we haven't seen much from the last couple of years, and then all of a sudden you're really dropping off? So going for someone like Cody Walker, especially if you don't have Turbo and we can't now start with Cleary, 
doesn't make as little sense as what I think that it did to some people a couple months ago. So I would urge people to probably consider him and not worry too much about the starting draw, um, but probably set your expectation that if it is a tough start because he is going to have a lot more responsibility, maybe it takes a while for him to click and everything else, maybe he does have a really bad first month and averages 50. But you need to temper that with, you know, the good stuff's going to be coming and, and not everybody's going to have the time or the team build to be able to just trade him in straight away for that good run that's going to start after the first month. So I don't think it's a bad one at all to start with Walker. Uh, he was really good last year. One of the great things with Cody is even when he's firing, even when he's good value, he's still always a pot. You know, it's amazing how low his his ownership goes. He's coming in at the moment around one at a seven percent ownership. Now, if you've got him at sub ten percent as an official pod coming into that great draw for Souths and they're clicking, he's going to be one of the one of the best players to have for that second month of the season. So starting with him does make some sense. Um, certainly if anybody was really against it, I, I wouldn't talk you out of not starting with him, uh, but he's definitely an option and he deserves to be in the top options in the halves for your consideration. Let's move on. So the next guy we're going to talk about, Latrell Mitchell, another big guy, another big gun for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He's probably going to be relied upon more than what he ever has before. He's out round one. I think him getting a reprieve again on his suspension means that you could look at missing out on him uh, for one one round and having him in your team for round one, much like the Munster and you know Harry Grant scenarios that people are looking at. I don't see, even though there's been not much talk of it, why he can't be considered like that as well. If you don't have Turbo and you were going to run Teddy and Paps, and if Paps doesn't get named in TLT... Uh, I definitely think that Luttrell should be a smoky for you to consider. He's probably going to be goal-kicking. So when you have a look at the numbers, it's, it's pretty remarkable. 721000 to have as your fullback there. Uh, he's only 2% owned. So, look, it's not the best handicapping yourself for a fullback for the first round. But at the same time, if it's going to be really wet weather this week, which it is, then maybe it's much more doable for you to do it and have him for that second game. 2% ownership means that you're going to get well ahead if he has some big games. And when you're having a look at the season that he had, uh, it's very similar to Cody Walker. Uh, but one of the things that I really like about Latrell versus Walker is, despite the fact that Latrell has uh, you know, the lazy moniker, which I think is, is true in a lot of ways, uh, base of 21 isn't great for a fullback. But if you look at his base-base attack, he's almost at 38 because he gets those offloads and tackle breaks, especially the tackle breaks, so easily. So... Because of that, you know, 38 all of a sudden is actually pretty good for someone like him. If you throw goal-kicking on top for a South Sydney team that can score points, all of a sudden you're at a 50-plus floor with him. And people might say, oh, he's still got those low scores in him. You know what? He didn't really last year. He had a low score of 48 last year, and the second low score was <laughs> 40, oh, sorry, 47 and 48. Those were his two low scores. But it was only two games out of 17 where he didn't go 50-plus. It was remarkable uh, how much he didn't... How, how consistently he scored highly, I should say. 82% of the time, he was going 60-plus. So he's another guy that has really matured as a footballer and subsequently super coach option where he no longer is a guy that's going to give you those really low scores. And I don't think you need to be worried about that. This is a year that he averaged 82 points a game without goal-kicking. 
So if you put goal kicking and some extra responsibility on Latrell, extra usage with the ball, he could easily rival the top fullbacks in the competition as far as like the Teddies, uh, Pappenhausen and options in the similar price bracket. Um, I certainly think that he's overtaken Ponga. Uh, he could very well overtake Gutherson as well pretty easily. Whether he gets to a turbo level, I don't think so, but he's going to be up there and he's not going to be someone that's considered as one of the top fullbacks by a lot of super coaches. Interesting when you look at his starting draw last year. Melbourne, 117 points. Manly, 68 points. And the Roosters, 67 points. You know, if you could get that similar type of scoring across a few weeks of averaging 80 plus and then open up with that draw where he's going to be goal kicking as well, yeah, that's that's going to be huge if you've got Latrell Mitchell in your team. So I, I particularly like him in draft too. Uh, I think that after sort of the first four picks, it drops off, and you're looking at guys like a Latrell or a Fafida and so forth. Latrell's a great option because he can definitely rival those top options. I really, really like Latrell as an option this year, uh, and I'm going to say that if Pappenhausen is ruled out, um, it's going to be a Latrell versus Gutho type of discussion for me in my head for my team. And because of the weather this week, uh, I may very well go for a Latrell and just hold him on the sideline because I don't have Grant or Munster on the sideline, uh, I might go for the Luttrell option. Definitely think it's there. He's off, off a career year, but he is coming into his own. He's still only in his mid-20s. You know, like he's only 25 this season. It's just crazy to think what he's got in front of him and what he can do, um, especially when he wasn't as involved last year as what he could have been. Looking at his scores, like if you look at the final third of his run last year, I think it gives you a snippet into what, he could be capable of. His last six games of last season, 108, 123, 64, 115, 65, 106. And the 64 and 65 was against the Panthers and Penrith. So, I mean, that six-game run, he came pretty close to averaging 100 points, and that's without goal kicking. So... He can definitely be a guy that goes on a two-month tear of a run with goal-kicking that averages 100-plus. He can definitely do that, and we saw it last year. Um, with the Tons, he, he had some really big ones. He also had 138 at the start of the year, so he does have that potential. Ended up with six tons in the year, which sounds good, but maybe not you know, phenomenal, but he only played 17 games. So, like, more than 33% of the time he was tonning up. It's... Pretty remarkable numbers for Latrell. Um, I can't talk highly enough about how much of a good option I think that he really is and how he could be the ultimate pod. And really, these top South Sydney options could be the ultimate pod. I just think that on the flip side, there is some risk. And the risk is going to be whether that South Sydney team struggles with a new coach, some new personnel, and no Adam Reynolds in the spot. How much they struggle is going to dictate how well these guys go. But... If they manage to overcome that in the first month of footy, then you know, Latrell and Cody, I absolutely love. And I'm looking at them as trading targets if I can't start with them. So really like Latrell. Let's move on to the next bloke. And that's another guy that I do like, but not as much. And that's, uh, 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 that's Damien Cook. Now, Damien Cook, I actually had in my side initially. He was my starting hooker because I just saw his price as possibly being some value. Adam Reynolds being out, I've already mentioned multiple times, but it could mean between Adam Reynolds being out and a new coach being in that Damien Cook suddenly starts using the ball a bit more. 
He is 15% owned, which I was kind of surprised about, but I guess there isn't many hooking options. I thought he'd be more around 10% owned. He's only 575000 though. And so this is a thing. Like, he's not expensive this year to start with him. In the past, it's going to be 100 k more than that. So I definitely think that he's a decent option to be considering. Average 66 points a game. And this is a bad thing with him. He is on a trajectory, which a lot of coaches will point out, and it is true. The last four years, he's averaged 78, 76, 70, and 66 points a game. And last year was a type of attacking season for Supercoach and for the NRL, where you would expect someone like Damian Cook to have done really well, especially with the six agains and picking the ball up and running from dummy half. And it didn't really happen. Four tons, which is pretty solid. Uh, only one of those was a real big one, but it was 148. So he does show that he can do it, and he didn't even score a try that game. I think probably, again, when you're looking at sort of how he finished the year to how he started, he finished it really well. Um, again, round 19 onwards, 148, 56, 66, 80, 80, 76. Yeah, really solid with a big, big score in there. Whereas at the start of the year, it was really up and down for him. He went 36, 102, 46, 106. So... Yeah, he, show, he showed at the beginning of the year that he can still hit the tons, but had the lowest scores in there, so he's often disappointing. And then he went on a really bad run after round four last year, where he went 47, 56, 52, 50, 40, 64, 36. And that's the type of run that you're worried about with the Damian Cook. You know, is he going to go into his shell again, or is he going to go back to the running game that made him the sort of player that he is and start to probably get some more assists, more line breaks, more tries? Without Adam Reynolds, you'd hope so. With a coach, it's going to hopefully encourage him a little bit more. You would hope so. But it has to be said that it was his lowest season for a few years. And it was also a lot lower on how often he went 60-plus. Only 43% of the time did Damien Cook hit 60-plus. For a hooker, that's not good because his work rate should really get him there a lot more than that anyway. And he's only got a 45 base, which for a hooker isn't actually high. So where am I at on Damien Cook? Look, I think he's an option for you. Um, I think that he wouldn't be as good an option if there wasn't such a oh, gap in the hooker stocks for, for you to look at other guns. I mean, Harry Grant's out round one. Um, Reid Marnie's coming back from a shoulder injury. Reid Marnie's possibly a better option. Um, Grant will be a better option once Grant is in and playing. But aside from those two, Damien Cook's probably there as your third. Um, so there just really isn't a lot of option in that position. So whether you decide to spend there and go one of these guys or whether you decide to go cheap there, I think that's the question that you need to ask yourself. At the moment, my team build has gone from having Damien Cook as my starting hooker to having Chad Randall as my starting hooker because I'm hoping that Randall can hit 50, make some money, and I can spend that cash elsewhere. Uh, and I, I think that that's probably where I'm leaning because you can end up spending you know, that money that you put into Cook on making your 5'8", um, like an SJ into a, a Cody Walker. And I think I'd much prefer to try and roll the dice that way than to roll it on Cook. But certainly, um, resurgent season, I don't think is out of the question. I think it can definitely happen. Cameron Murray is the next big gun to talk about for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And he's another guy that ended up having a career year, which seems to be a broken record when you're talking about the Rabbits because they all just had phenomenal seasons. Average 70 points. Pretty similar to the year, two years before, with 68 and 69, but nonetheless, it is a career year. Uh, I really like how he did it too, but the other thing too is that he played 17 games, but two of those were uh, managed minutes. One of them was 17 minutes where he got injured in round eight, and another one was in the middle of origin uh, where they played him for 48 minutes, which was his second lowest minutes of the year. So 
I do think that when you take into account those couple of games, um, it looks even more appealing because his minutes probably jumps from sort of 62 to, to kind of 66 uh, and a score of about 73, 74. And that all of a sudden becomes much, much more appealing. I am quite surprised that he's only owned by 7% of teams. Like certainly uh, teams are gravitating towards an Angus Crichton and a David Fafida instead for that higher price point. But he's cheaper than both and he's 615000 and only owned by 7% of coaches. So, yeah, tough starting draw again, but he's just been handed the captaincy too, and I really like that with him because I think he is a guy that is about to hit his prime and he's about to step up. So getting the captaincy, hitting his prime at his age, in his mid-20s, and um, all these things considered coming off the season he just had, new coach could be playing him more minutes than what Bennett was as well. Um, I would love to see him play 80 minutes. I think that that's like a pipe dream, but... It is an ultimate dream because if, if he manages to play closer to 80 minutes uh, and has more 80-minute games, of which you know you only saw him do it twice in his 17 games last year, and that was because of injuries, really. If he can do that more often under Demetria, all of a sudden he becomes one of the top, if not the top, second-row forward option. Like He's someone who could potentially surpass Fafita depending on how Fafita's season unfolds. So I really like Cameron Murray. Um, I think he deserves to be discussed as a top few second row forward, and, and I think that he is, but he's kind of by the wayside compared to guys like Crichton and also Fafita. If you're going to stack your pack or maybe you can't afford a Crichton, uh, Cameron Murray's a good option. You know, one of the better base options that you can get. 51 raw base, which is good, uh, but when you look at his base base attack, it's actually close to 59 points a game. So you're almost getting 60 plus just from his base base attack. And that's phenomenal. And when you're looking at his try scoring, he's a guy that can score tries, but he did score five in his 17 games last year, which is probably about his strike rate. So it's not like he's overpriced. Um, he could probably even score one or two more, um, depending on how they go. But the consistency is just phenomenal. I think a lot of people got scared off from his first month of footy last year. You know, he came out playing good minutes, 74 and 80 minutes in the first two weeks and scored 53 and 64. And then he went 55, 53, 56. Not, you know, not phenomenal scoring. Um, and for that price tag, I understand why people would have felt underwhelmed. I think a few people probably feel burnt from starting him last year. But when you look at how he finished, you know, the the final third of the season, he absolutely killed it. You know, rounds 19 to 26, he averaged 80 points. Um, and when you have a look at the scores, 91, 86, 87, 117, 92, 49, 71, and 70. You know, only one game out of his final eight, was he not 70-plus? And that's the type of run that you could hope for with a Cam Murray, that he can start getting consistent 70-plus type of scores rather than consistent 60-plus or 50s in these bad games. You know, you want to you want to sort of step that up by 10 15%. I think that he can actually do that. So I'm, I'm quite a big fan of Murray. He hasn't been in any of my teams yet, but going through his numbers and having a look at things... Uh, I'm actually starting to get swayed, especially because he's a bit of a uh, workhorse. He's someone who can weather that tough a few games from round two to four for the South Sydney Rabbitohs by doing work and still scoring well. And then also, he's a nice hybrid sort of second rower that can also take advantage of some attack as well when they do open up on the draw. So he's kind of protected if you wanted to start with him. And he's also going to be... You know, close to 150,000 less than Fafita. Uh, it's going to be more than 50,000 less than what um, Angus Crichton is. So the type of price point he's at, 
you know, I've got someone like TPJ in my front row forward, so it's not too comparable because it's different positions. But, I mean, there's only a 40K difference between them. Um, Madison I really like as a second row forward. But, again, you're only looking at about 40K difference between those guys. And that money's really easy to find. So I'm really warming to a, a Cameron Murray um, coming into my side for this week for round one. And I think that a lot more people probably should be considering him than what there has been. So whilst that does it for guns, we do have a fallen gun to talk about, and that is an option that I do really like from round one for the South Sydney side, and it is in my team at the moment, and that is Jai Arrow. So one of the great things to look out for is guys that are going to be changing roles. Jai Arrow is definitely going to be changing roles. 2021, he averaged 47 minutes a game, uh, and he scored 52 points a game for that. Worst season of his career, but it was also the lowest minutes of his career. If you look before 2021, he was 54, 62, and 64 points. So between 2018 and 2019, he was an out-and-out gun, averaging 63 points, uh, and he was very consistent in what he was doing as well. Fast forward to 2022 season, and he's going to be starting on an edge. And the interesting thing with that is he is taking Sewer's spot. Sewer was playing 80 minutes a game. He was an 80-minute edge. The other edge was 80 minutes in Kalamatangi as well. So South Sydney do play their edges 80-plus minutes. Obviously, injuries can come in, but um, aside from that, there is also a new coach. So we do need to think about that. What's Demetrio going to do? I'd be kind of surprised if Demetrio didn't want to play his edges 80-plus minutes. But I think the beauty with someone like Arrow is, um, whilst you might be worried about that if they really needed the 80 minutes, if Arrow gets... 60 plus minutes, um, which if he's on an edge, you'd think he has to, then that should suffice. And it's actually going to be more minutes than what he's gotten to play before. Um, going to be 13 plus minutes on what his two, 2021 average minutes were. So when you have a look at it, that's, that's a pretty good floor for him. And his price is what really nails at home as well as his position eligibility. 458000 is cheap. Uh, he's a second row forward, front row forward dual. So if you look at him as a front row forward, I mean, I think that he's fine to look as a second row forward option. But if you look at him as a front row forward option, he's a phenomenal uh, starting second option behind a Payne Haas, for example. And even as a second row forward, he's a great guy to have in your rotation for your second row forward guys. I, I can't see how there isn't 10 points value there. Now, if he plays his 80 minutes... Uh, he should have 10 points value. Even if you just look at what he's done last year when he was starting, he had four games where he's 55-plus minutes on an edge where he scored 68 points per game. Now, it is only four games. You do need to take small samples with a bit of a grain of salt because they aren't as reliable as what they could be if they were larger samples. And he did score a try in those four games. But if you just look at those four games with his raw base, he averaged 55 raw base in those four 55-plus-minute games as an edge. Really good base for an edge player. That's the first thing. When you look at his base-base attack, that's a 60-plus score that he's getting on an edge just with 55-plus minutes. So you can see that at 55-plus minutes just in the small sample last year. If he manages to get 80 minutes, he's going to be a phenomenal option. He can easily be a 65-points-per-game player in 80 minutes. And it projects out to be more than that, but I think you've got to temper it with more minutes. His PPM is probably going to drop, uh, and he's not going to be in the middle. But still, 65 points a game, and this is a guy that is currently priced at a 52 average. I think the worst-case scenario is that you've got almost 10 points value, like he's going to be 60 to 62 as a worst case, even if he's getting less minutes than he's 80. 
So I think with Arrow, the key is that the downside is very minimal. Even the floor, you're going to find very, very useful, especially in the early rounds. And the upside is that he could be an out-and-out gun for you at a price of barely more than 450000 that you could put in a troublesome front-row forward spot. So I don't know why Arrow is any more sides, to be honest. Um, he's in 17%, so he's pretty highly owned. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty big on him. I know a few people that are really good super coaches kind of still think he's a bit of a bum or he's a bit of an enigma. You know, he just he hasn't gotten the minutes before and I can't see him not getting the minutes this time around um, unless it doesn't work out and he gets dropped. But if that happens, look, that can happen with a lot of players. You just bite the bullet four or five weeks in and you trade him out. You're probably going to make money on him anyway. So I, I like Arrow um, and I still think that he's young enough where we could see some improvement in his games as well. So love him as an option. Uh, I really do urge people to have a look at buying him because I think that he's going to be a phenomenal option if he's 80 plus minutes and he's going to be a serviceable option if he's 60 plus still. So really like the floor. I can't see him not playing 60 minutes a game on an edge. Uh, it's just, it would be really weird of Demetria to go, I'm going to play him, you know, 50 odd minutes. The only thing that could happen um, is maybe Demetria starts him on an edge and moves him into the middle, um, in which case he might get that 55 to 60 minute type of role but you know considering the extra work that he's going to get in the middle as well um, and what he did just with 55 plus minutes last season in his four games that should still be fine as a floor for him so I just can't see any way he's not going to be a good purchase for round one so I'd be all over Arrow and I am in fact all over Arrow but the other edge is really interesting too and that's a rising gun in Koala Matangi the Koala as he's affectionately known as in Supercoach circles I really liked him as a um option to bust out last year uh, and I don't. he didn't disappoint he averaged 60 points a game on the nose so he was technically a gun uh, and in 2020 he only averaged 34 so obviously his role from 35 minutes a game in 2020 went up to 73 minutes a game where he's basically an 80 edge aside from some injury affected games where he's come off uh, and in that he's he scored you 60 points a game with a 47 rule base which is really nice uh, he is a guy that scored three tries as well but I think that that's probably where his growth is I do think that Kala Matangi is someone who should be able to score more than three tries in 20 games he is a bit of an attacking weapon at times when he runs close to the line especially I'd like to see him running better lines and I'd like to see them getting him running off the halves a little bit more than what he was um, but certainly I, I think that he's got that in him only a young guy Still got plenty of improvement in him. So I'm really interested what he does this year. It's a little bit annoying that he's priced at 60 because he is a second-row forward-only guy and you are going to have to spend 530000 on him. It's not the worst price point. You know, if he's going to go 60-plus, it's not the worst. Um, and he is only a 3% of teams. So certainly if you're looking for pods, um, I do think that he's a, a bit of a pod player as a rising gun because if he keeps improving... Third, third year of first grade, uh, second year starting as a first grader in the NRL, he could very well improve. And if that improvement is, you know, four and a half points a game, that puts him up to 65 points a game. And that's pretty phenomenal, 65 a game. Um, and he is someone as well where if you compartmentalize the season again, he could give you 55 plus for the first month. Uh, and then certainly up until the buy, he could go on a bit of a tear and give you a 70 plus type of scoreline on his average, and that's probably uh, going to be pretty realistic, I think, especially if he scores one or two more tries this year in that uh, run. So, Koala Matangi, we're not going to spend too much time on him, but he does have a good base. Um, he's probably as good as a lot of options that are more fancied and higher-owned, 
And I think that when you have a look at his base attack as well to finish up, his base attack with his base uh, is something that probably puts him on even keel with um, some options that are sort of 15, 20% owned um, because he's looking at like a 52 um, with his base base attack uh, and then all of a sudden he improves that a little bit and it's it becomes a 55, 56 for 530,000 plus the clutch attack that he could hit. So I, I like him. Um, there, it isn't without risk. He could be very mediocre where he just keeps giving you 50s and doesn't have those bigger scores and many 60s scores and then it's going to be a bit of a dud because he's 530k. Uh, certainly other guys around that price point, um, Madison um, I think could do better. I'd probably rather spend 50k less and have a Tomalolo. Um, that's probably going to be at worst the same and you're going to save some money on it. Um, obviously Tomalolo has got some good upside too. So I think probably the worst thing about Carlo Matangi is his price point means that he's going to be up against you not picking some of these other options. And certainly if you want to go, you know, 75k less, you can look at an attacking guy, as Satili Tupanua, who's been reasonably popular, uh, and a whole heap of other guys that are going to be 200k less almost in the, the Cowboys' edges and those guys around 350k. So or in a vacuum, I think that Kyla Matangi is a decent pod to look at if you believe in him and his progression in his career. Um, but... It's probably going to be the case where the other options are going to be better and you can find some of those in pod territory still as well. So I really like him as a NRL player though. Um, I think that he's going to be on my watch list and I'll see how he goes. Big Balls pod time. This is one of the pods that I've just kept going back to year on year for the last couple of years now. Uh, and I've really liked Campbell Graham right from the start when he debuted. He's 495000 so he's not cheap. Uh, but he does come in cheaper than what he was last preseason. Gluttony of guys in the centre wing between four and 500,000 to consider. Uh, I think the draw rules him out at the start of the season. I'll say that outright. I'm, I, I don't think you can look at him for round one just because of the draw. Um, he's only in 2% of teams. But I do have a short list of centre wings that I want to target after the first month when either I'm getting injuries or um, maybe some guys uh, start making money in round five or six and I need to cash him out. Um, he's on that list of, of centre wings that I can get in. So certainly that second month of footy for South, so I, I anticipate he's going to both be cheaper but also primed to go on a bit of a run. Campbell Graham averaged 56 points a game in 2021. That was down from his career best 61 in 2020. Uh, a lot of that was down to the tries um, and also um, he only played 18 games, which was less than the two years prior. But try-wise, um, he had three games where he scored doubles. Uh, so he's got... Pretty big scores in those ones where he's gone 107, 102, and 82. Um, but then only two other times did he score. So only five games out of 18 did he actually score a try. Uh, and he's got eight tries in his 18 games total. But one of the great things with Campbell Graham is that he's got a fantastic base. So it's one of those things where in 2020 he went on a, a better try scoring run than that. He was on a bit, much better strike rate. Uh, and because of his high base, it meant that he's, his scoring was just so much better. But 34 base is great. When you have a look at his base, base attack, it actually goes close to 43 points a game that you're getting without him getting any of his clutch attacks. So you're really banking on a Campbell Graham on a run when you think that he's going to start scoring some tries. He is on the, the least preferred side. One of the things that I'm really interested in for this 2022 season, though, is for someone like Campbell Graham, um, maybe Demetrio, especially with Gagai not there, um, goes right a bit more. 
Uh, maybe Campbell Graham gets to see a little bit more ball than what he was before and getting some early ball. Uh, and if that's the case, then maybe he's going to have a, a high usage and more opportunity, and that should equate to one or two more tries this year at a minimum. So I, I think that that will happen. Um, and if it does happen, you're probably looking at his 2021 average of 61+. plus. So at the moment, going into round one, obviously it's only five points undervalued, and he's got a pretty tough month of footy to start with. But he'll probably drop a couple of times, and you're going to get all of a sudden a guy priced at 50, um, maybe round six, and then at that point, you're 11 points undervalued on what he's probably going to do. And really, the rest of that first half of the year, he could be 20 points undervalued because he could very well go on a four or five week run with that great South Sydney draw that kicks in. So I'm definitely targeting him later. Uh, I'm definitely going to be looking at Campbell Graham. I really like his his high floor that he gives you, so you're not going to get any bad scores. Uh, and I really like the opportunity that he might have under a new coach with a new structure where they might actually go that way a little bit more than what they have in the past. But round one, a little bit too hard, but he definitely is a pod. So if you want to start with him, you're going to at least have him when the, the draw opens up for him after a month and you can see what he can do. Moving along, we're going to have a bit of a controversial chat, um, and that is Alex Johnston. Very controversial, because I'm going to say it's a mistake to start with him, and he was one of the, the best players, especially the second half of last year, that you could have had. And if you're talking to a, a lot of guys who finished really well last year, uh, certainly Tim Moody, the winner of Supercoach, and certainly other guys that finished in the top 100, They'll all say that Alex Johnston was a, one of the big keys to their season. You know, he was he was a phenomenal buy. People targeted him when he started hitting a really good run, um, and he didn't disappoint. So when you're having a look at that season, uh, round 12 onwards, so the second half of the season, Alex Johnston scored 154, 124, 80, 107, 130, 69, 28, and 125. So that is a phenomenal run of tons there. He's scoring a ton, 50% of his games plus in his last couple of months of footy. Uh, and it was a shame that he got injured because when he got injured, he was about to hit the Warriors, the Dragons, the Eels, and the and the Titans as well. Uh, so that could have been one of the all-time Jack Reed-esque type supercoach runs. Ended up averaging 73 points a game overall for the season. Um, but it's definitely one of those things where, you know, that's, that is 17 points better than what he's ever done before. He's never even hit 60-plus in a season before. So he's certainly someone who was scoring tries almost every week. You know, he only ended up having uh, five five games out of 19 where he didn't score a try. So incredible strike rate. And most of the time, you know, at least half of those games where he scored, he was scoring two-plus tries. Definitely Alex Johnson benefited hugely from that scoring last year. So with the new half that's coming in in Ilias and also the draw to start with. Uh, it's it's all exactly the type of time that you don't target in Alex Johnston. Aside from that, just his price as a centre wing, 638000 for a guy that, unlike guys like Cody Walker and Latrell that really shed the tag of guys that can get low scores, he's still a guy that can definitely get low scores. You know, his base is 20, and he's got plenty of games where the base is in the teens, almost 50% of them. And he's got scores that are sprinkled in the start of last year. Round three against the Roosters, he scored 13 points. He's also got 26, 21, 22, and 28 as he's sub-30 games, which was happening you know, 25% of the time. He's going sub-30, and 20% of the time he's going sub-20. So got the low scores in him. He's a perfect guy to target when he's at a good price and about to hit a try-scoring run. 
it'll be a really interesting thing to watch on how much Gagai not being there, uh, how much having a rookie half, although he's on a different side, and South Sydney's attacking structure maybe changing under a new coach, how much all that comes together to complement Alex Johnson's scoring record that he had last year. Because I dare say, I, I think it's going to be less. I don't think he's going to score 73 points a game. Uh, I think he's going to be actually closer to at least 10 points less. Uh, and if he is, he's nowhere near value. And he's also someone that might only average sort of 35 points in the first month of the season. So I think he's a huge mistake. Um, thankfully, I don't think many people are looking at him. His ownership is still 4%, though. And to me, that's really high for Alex Johnston for round one. Even if they had a good draw, I, I wouldn't be comfortable starting with him. With a draw to start with, uh, he's not good enough to throw in there at that price and hope that you can um, pick that those points back up in the second month of footy. Just wouldn't go anywhere near Alex Johnston. Now, before we continue on to the rest of the podcast, I do need to mention Top Sport, fantastic partner of the All-Stars podcast. Top Sport is a 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. They often have best odds in market. I love working with them. You can go to www.topsport.com.au to place any bets or download the app, which is really easy to use. Certainly gamble responsibly if you are going to have a flutter, but if you like gambling and you do it responsibly and you're looking for a new bookie or even if you're not and you just want to shop around, make sure that you go to Top Sport and create an account today. Create the account with the promo code of SC Allstars or one word and they'll know that you're from this podcast and they can take great care of you. But love the odds so far. I'm all over a few of the NRL bets for this first round. I mentioned the Tigers line, pulling it out to a plus 16.5. You can still get $1.63. Uh, along with that, the Sharkies, $1.90. Even money bet to beat the Canberra Raiders. I love that one. Uh, and certainly the Roosters line of uh, minus 11.5 at the moment at $1.84. Like that one too. So there's quite a few good value bets on Top Sport. Um, so certainly have a look. Gamble responsibly and create an account today with the promo code SC All Stars. Now, continuing on, we're going to need to have a look at some of the mids and cheapies for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And one of them is going to be young Lachlan Ilias, who's going to take over from Adam Reynolds. I'm, I'm always at a pain to say that someone is a must, but I do explain to people that when I do call a player a must, it's because they are a bottom dollar cheapie who has high job security and a pretty solidified role because I don't think you can go wrong with that. And those guys very easily make 200K plus. At the start of a season, you cannot afford to miss out on that. So there's not too much to say about young Ilias. You have to have him in your side. Only one game last year, um, but it was a pretty good debut. He scored 39 points without any attacking stats, 21 base. Can't really look at the numbers with this guy, but he's going to be in the South Sydney side in halfback, I don't think that he's going to lose that job anytime soon. Certainly, there's uh, talk that maybe um, Young Taff can go in there from fullback when uh, Latrell returns and take his job. I really don't think that's going to happen. You know, Lachlan Elias has been the halfback in the preseason, and I think that he's going to continue to be for the reasonable long term. Um, and you just can't afford to miss out. Like he he's going to get tries his some games, and when they hit that run, he's definitely going to get some, even if he's a low usage half in that spine, and when he does, he's going to go up by 200k very easily. Bottom dollar, rookie, good job security, that's a must. You need to pop him in there, Um, but I wouldn't be playing him early on either. It's going to be maybe a tough initiation into his first full first grade season. Taff is the other one who I've already mentioned, and this guy is very different. So I'm really 
especially a couple of months ago, I'm really perplexed at why so many people were on Blake Tuff, but he's still got 19% ownership now. He's 210,000 as a halfback, fullback duel. But it was always going to be the case for me that I believe that once Latrell was back, Taff was going to be out of the side. Um, and really, I haven't seen anything to change that. I think that he's going to be on the bench as a bench utility. Um, that was one of the rumours that was floated around. If that happens, you know, he might make a, a 20k um, price rise if he has a good start to the season in round one. And then he might actually go to, back to bottom dollar within a few weeks because he'll come off the bench and average 12 points a game. So it's just, there's no way that it's going to work out for Blake Tuff unless he overtakes Ilias immediately and goes into the starting half position, and I just can't see that happening. So 19% of teams owning Blake Tuff, I just, I'm the mind boggles why that has occurred. There's young Schneider now at the Canberra Raiders. Your, your two backup halves at the moment should be Schneider and should be Elias. Those should be two of your cheap halves. And Taff should be nowhere to be seen in anyone's super coach team as far as I am concerned. That's going to finish it off for the South Sydney Rabbitohs for the super coach team preview for 2022. Uh, I do apologize that, again that uh, the last few team previews have had to be a bit rushed out and have come pretty late. But I wanted to get everything out. We've done it. I've done team previews for everyone now, including just the one solo one. You can download this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. Make sure you subscribe as well. Also, make sure that you follow us on Twitter. That's NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And this week, again, just to reiterate, we've got the TLT podcast with Billy with a team reveal on Wednesday. Then we have on Friday dropping the Talking Footy episode, talking everything NRL in the past week of news and footy leading up to round one. So, been a huge couple of weeks, guys. TLT is like Christmas. I cannot wait to see the teams in the next 24 hours. Certainly good luck with your teams. Good luck with TLT. I hope it's kind to everyone. I look forward to chatting to you guys again on the TLT podcast with Billy coming in the next 24 hours. Thanks very much for listening once again. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get 